we're going to continue with our sermon series that we started last week. Pretty crazy, though. So this morning, the staff and um, an elder as well, we actually joined for Heart House's morning service at 11. And they're actually going through, you know, a different series. And today, they actually preached on redigging the wells of revival. I was like, oh, interesting. Same spirit. I feel like God is syncing us up in many different ways. And so last week, we started with a sermon series on the Holy Spirit. We talked about the necessity for there to be balanced teaching when it comes to the Holy Spirit. Um, I wanted to kind of quickly sweep over my personal test. Wow, people in the back can't see me. Okay. Um, Quickly go over. um, Ah, man. Okay. Okay. All right, I'm short. Other people can get away with it. I can't. Um, Yeah, so when I first came to New Philly, I really thought it was a really weird church. Because I was... Uh, I was like raised in a very conservative church and you don't really talk about the Holy Spirit. You kind of acknowledge the Holy Spirit, but you kind of call it an it. Like it's like a force. It's like an influence. It's like, I don't know. It's like, it's like if you say the word Holy Spirit, it's like saying Santa Claus, right? It's like, people are like, oh, you actually believe in that? You know, in certain circles, they'll do that. And so for many years I was like, okay, I believe in the Trinity. I believe in God, the father, God, the son, and the Holy Spirit kind of like, you know, kind of slip it in there, but not really believe in the Holy Spirit as much as I believe in God, the father and God, the son. So it's almost like I can love and relate to and learn about and worship, you know, God, the father and God, the son. But then when it came to the Holy Spirit, I got very kind of like, yeah, I don't know how to, it's kind of prickly and I don't really know how to approach this. And so what I really needed was somebody to walk with me and give me Um, solid biblical teaching because you can learn about the Holy Spirit and you can experience the Holy Spirit, but doesn't it give you so much more confidence if you know that it's biblical, if you know that it's actually in the Bible, it's not something that just somebody, you know, conjured up because they experienced it or they felt something. Um, So I needed to see it in the Bible for myself. So last week we started talking about our need for the Holy Spirit. And this week we're going to talk about very briefly Uh, through the ministries of the Holy Spirit. So first, the indwelling ministry of the Holy Spirit, and second, the empowering ministry of the Holy Spirit. Before we jump right into this, um, I wanted to kind of hit the brakes just a little bit and address a few things. Um, So this past week at our prayer tab at K1, we actually prayed into this. You know, it's we want to make sure that it's not just a great sermon series, but that we actually invite the Holy Spirit in, that we will see a change, we'll see a shift, and it would be something that would honor God. And as we were praying into it, I just felt like the Holy Spirit dropped this phrase to my heart. And this is what he said. You can have your dignity or you can have me. That's what he said. And so he's pinpointing something really deeply embedded in my heart. And that was, There's a part of me that's like, ah, I I don't want to put myself out there. I don't want to let go of my dignity. I don't want to look like I'm not put together in front of people. I don't want to put myself out there and look like one of those weird Christians. There's still a part of me that wants to look a particular way and have the respect of a particular kind of people. And the Holy Spirit was pinpointing something. It's not that he's going to make you a slobbering mess. Although, you know, even if that happens, that's okay. But... It's an idolatry of heart. 
that was happening in me. There was something that I wasn't willing to let go of uh, in order to fully surrender to the Holy Spirit. And reflecting on this past year of walking with the Lord, if we're still here, it means we've trusted God to a certain amount. We've trusted God to heal us. We've trusted God to bring us together. We've trusted God to move once again in our lives. But if this is the point where we reach, okay, that's as much as I'm willing to trust you and no further, then there means that we're setting a limit for what God is able to do. It means that we're saying, look, we've trusted you for, to make a community and a family out of people from all different backgrounds, different journeys, different struggles, different experiences, but that's where we're going to stop. And my question to you is, are we willing to trust them all the way? It is not a very big leap of faith, considering what we've been through as a church. If we've trusted him this far to bring us through healing and to make us bind together, you know, as a family, then shouldn't we trust him with what he's going to lead us to henceforth? We're not going to stop our journey of stepping into a place of faith. We need to continue to move forward. And so my question is, how far will we trust him? So if we believe like, okay, God, you're good in terms of providing for us, for our material needs. You're good in providing me a safe community. You're good in providing me with a job and providing, you know, different things in my family. But then when it comes to this area, I don't really know if you're that good, you know, like, Maybe you're out to like really embarrass me. Like maybe you're out to destroy my life. Maybe you're out to do something that I really don't want to do. And there's a part in us that's like, oh, he's good. But, but when it comes to this, this is where I'm kind of setting my limits. Uh, so it boils down to whether we believe he's good or not. In the same way that we believe God the Father is good. In the same way that we believe God the Son is good. We also need to believe that God the Holy Spirit is good. If he leads us into something, it's going to be good. If he challenges us with something, it's going to be good. So as we move forward into, you know, go deeper into this sermon series, I wanted to touch on just a couple of things. You might, you know, be sitting here. You might not have much of an experience with the Holy Spirit at all, but perhaps you have, and there might be different obstacles that you're going to actively have to work through. So first, for example, it might be, Fear from previous experiences. If you have had exposure to the Holy Spirit, if you've been a part of a charismatic church in the past, if you've seen abuses or if you've been traumatized, if you've seen ministers um, kind of misuse this in order to accomplish different goals, you might have a bit of fear from simply from previous experiences. Second, you might have fear of the unknown. If you've never experienced the Holy Spirit before, I understand that because I went through that as well. There was a moment where I felt like it was a crisis of faith for me, where I needed people to pray for me, where I needed to kind of, I felt like I was, I knew God, but then all of a sudden I didn't know God and I needed somebody to help me through it. And I actually remember the exact moment I was, it had been like maybe two months into me being at New Philly back in 2008. And by then I was like, okay, I like the people here, but they're kind of weird, you know, they're like well-meaning, but they're a little too passionate, you know, like they just need to chill a bit. Right. Uh, I was thinking that. And then the more I saw these people and I saw an actual like fruit of the spirit in their lives, like I saw God was actually moving in their lives. And I started to think, okay, maybe they're not all crazy. Maybe some of them are crazy. 
And then the more I got to know these people, I realized like, okay, there always will be weirdos, you know, out there, but, um, it's never risk free, but on the whole, it feels like it's a very sincere community that is running after God. And so I started to open up my heart little by little. And it started as like, okay, maybe I'm open to this. And then later became, I actually want what they have. And then I didn't know how to go beyond that because I felt like I was wrestling inside my heart. And so there was this one Sunday where they just said, after worship, they said, okay, if anybody has any needs for prayer, just stand up where you are. We're not going to ask you to come to the front. You just stand up where you are. And um, you don't need to tell anybody what it is that you're struggling with. Um, but the person, you know, if anybody is standing near you, you just like gently lay hands on them and just pray for them in whichever way, you know, um, however, you know, uh, how to pray. And so I remember I just stood up. I, I was like, Oh, I guess this is something that I want people to pray for me for. Um, and then somebody laid hands on me. They were praying and I felt like when they were praying, all I felt God say was don't limit my power. That's all he said to me. And I realized that until then, it was a control issue. Until then, I was like, no, 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 I'm sincere. Like, no, no, as long as it's in the Bible, I'm all good. But I realized, like, deep down inside, there was a control issue. I felt like I couldn't have a handle on this God. Like, the Holy Spirit is a little bit more, like, unpredictable and a little bit, like, wild, a little bit unhinged. And I felt like, oh, my gosh, if I let this guy into my life, like, I don't know what he's going to do, you know? And so I was, like, you know, very genuinely very afraid. And I needed God to reassure me, like, don't limit my power. I'm still the same God. It's just you've never experienced this side of me. And I needed to know that it was the same God that I've been relating to. So it was a fear of unknown that I actually needed to overcome. I needed to get to the point where I wanted to experience the Holy Spirit more than me wanting to preserve my status quo. Like, more than me wanting to stay where I was. The third one could be a lack of a fear from a lack of trust in oneself. Maybe you're thinking there, like, I'm great. Like, I'm all about the Holy Spirit. But what if I become like, you know, like I love the Holy Spirit too much or like I misuse the power of the Spirit. Um, For this, here's the thing, right? God is going to lead us. And even if we make mistakes and when we do make mistakes, which will happen, he's going to lead us in the truth. He's going to gently rebuke us, gently guide us back to where we need to be. As long as we keep our hearts humble before him, he's not a God who's going to lead us a certain direction and be like, ha you went the wrong direction. He's not out to do that. He's out to bless us. So he loves to see hunger in his people. And if they're starting to go the wrong way, he'll just gently come along and be like, actually, that's more this way. And he'll gently lead us. We need to trust in his leadership. And then finally, for me, this was a big one, the fear of man. I was very afraid of what people would think of me. I was very afraid of my parents would think of me, of what my church back at home would think of me. Like, oh my gosh, she went off to college and she became like, you know, a really weird person. Um, So I had a a very big fear of man. It paralyzed me from really pursuing after God. So this might hit home. I hope I'm not inflicting this fear on you. (laughs) Like if you came without fear, that's great. But if you see yourself up here, uh, let me reassure you, you know, God is good. He will gently work through our fears. There will be a point where he's going to call you to take a step of faith and you're in good company. You're in a safe environment. You can afford to make mistakes and it's going to be a great journey for all of us as a community together.
So you're not alone in that respect. If there's anything that you um, would like to investigate further, I actually compiled a very brief list of suggested readings. So I just, very brief, right? Um, the first one is Jack Deere, surprised by the whole, uh, power of the Holy Spirit. He was somebody who was also very closed to the Holy Spirit. He was like, no, no thanks. That's for the weird charismatics out there. And then God met him in a really powerful way. And then he had to work through theologically what that meant. Um, the second one is Jim Simbala. I don't know why people call him Simbala because that's wrong. It's Simbala. Um, fresh Wind and Fresh Fire. Um, it's, it's a really good introductory book uh, regarding prayer and the Holy Spirit. The third is Sam Storms, Practicing the Power. The third and the fourth are by the same author, R.T. Kendall. One is Sensitivity of the Holy Spirit. So meaning the Holy Spirit is easily offended. Like the Holy Spirit is a person, right? He has feelings. It's a he. He has volition. He has thoughts. He has intentions. And so the Holy Spirit is sensitive to particular things. And there's things that grieve the Holy Spirit. And so that's what the first book talks about. The second one is Holy Fire. It talks about, you know, the fire of the Holy Spirit in contrast with strange fire. So artificial moves of the Spirit. Artificial, like, things that people have conjured up to make it look like it's a move of God. And lastly, Francis Chan, I mentioned this last week as well, the forgotten God. He talks about basically we believe in God, the father and God, the son, but not really God, the Holy spirit. It's the, out of the three, it's the one that gets left behind all the time. And what I love about all these different books is they're, they're not strictly charismatic kind of people. They're actually in very conservative evangelical circles, but there are people who over time became open to the Holy spirit, the supernatural work of the Holy spirit. And I felt like I related a lot to them. So it's not just anecdotes and like, Oh, this happened to my cousin and all that. Although there's some anecdotes in there, but they actually are very good about going through the theology of it. For me, this, these were very good resources because I needed those answers, um, kind of in place before I was able to free myself and allow myself to pursue the Holy spirit. So if, that is you as well. I really recommend any of these books. Introductory, probably the best one. The Forgotten God and Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire are probably the best ones to begin with. All right. I'm going to show you two different quotes about people in history who have encountered the Holy Spirit in a very particular way. This is one of them. As I turned and was about to take a seat by the fire, I received a mighty baptism of the Holy Ghost. Without any expectation of it, the Holy Spirit descended upon me in a manner that seemed to go through me, body and soul. No words can express the wonderful love that was shed abroad in my heart. I wept aloud with joy. When I first read this and heard about this, I was like, okay, this is obviously somebody who's a Pentecostal that is wanting to share you know, their experience. This is actually the testimony of Charles Finney. He's one of the most well-respected 19th century evangelical evangelistic preachers. Um, and this was his testimony for a lot of people. They're very unaware that this is kind of what empowered him to have the preaching ministry that he did. A lot of people will give like kind of chalk it up to, Oh, he's just a really good orator. You know, he's very good at explaining things very well. Um, but he would be the first one to tell you, this is not me. This is not my power, my wisdom, my training. It's a Holy spirit. It's a Holy spirit. That's working through me. So this is by Charles Finney. The second one, 
The power of God fell upon him as he walked up the street and he had to hurry off to the house of a friend and ask that he might have a room by himself. And in that room, he stayed alone for hours. And the Holy Ghost came upon him, filling his soul with such joy that at last he had to ask God to withhold his hand, lest he die on the spot from the very joy. This is the testimony of D.L. Moody, also a very well-respected preacher from the 19th century. So for me, these testimonies were really important because it kind of, um, kind of helped me shift my understanding that only certain people experience the Holy Spirit in a particular way. Only certain circles of Christianity are going to experience this. But for me, I'm on this other camp, and that is not for me. Um, but these two very powerful ministers of God, they would be the first ones to say, I would not be able to do what I'm doing if it wasn't for the power of the Holy Spirit. The crazy thing about these testimonies is like even with D.L. Moody, he said, you know, he preached from a manuscript. So word by word, he would write out his sermons. And whereas in the beginning, you know, he would preach these sermons and he'd get like five people saved, eight people saved. After this experience, he said like 200 people would get saved. The same exact manuscript, the same exact word by word. He was preaching the same message, but there was something very different, and it was the empowering of the Holy Spirit. So it wasn't this ambiguous, like, oh, I just have, like, warm, fuzzy feeling inside. This must be the Holy Spirit. It was actual anointing, enabling by the Holy Spirit to do something that wasn't humanly possible. This is something that R.T. Kendall in his book, Holy Fire, he says, the Holy Spirit does not belong to you. Are you charismatic? He's bigger than your signs and wonders events. Are you reformed? He will not be limited by your theology. The Lord Jesus said of the Holy Spirit, he blows where he will. C.S. Lewis described the lion Aslan, his central character in the Chronicles of Narnia, with the following words. He isn't safe, but he is good. Since Aslan, Aslan, Aslan represents Jesus in the story, it is commonly assumed that this description refers to Jesus. I personally think these words apply to all members of the Trinity and especially to the Holy Spirit. He isn't safe, but you can trust him because he is good. So if you feel threatened by the Holy Spirit, is it because you're happily in your comfort zone? Are you afraid of what the Holy Spirit might do to you? what he would require of you, what he might ask you to do? Do you think you will lose something if you make yourself vulnerable and totally open to him? Are you afraid he will embarrass you? Do you think you will lose your identity? Do you think you might have to change? And so this is coming from somebody who's a minister and a preacher at Westminster Chapel. Um, This is somebody who is very much about the Holy Spirit, but also lived in a world where it was mostly very conservative evangelical circles. So all I'm trying to say here is whatever is available to us as believers, it's for all believers. It's not for a certain kind of believer. It is available and open to all of us. If you've experienced the Holy Spirit before, then it means there's more for you. You can't think that, oh, I've had enough of the Holy Spirit. I filled my quota for my life. 
No, like there is much more for us to experience, much more for us to ask for. Sometimes if you've tasted of the Holy Spirit, it's much easier to feel like, all right, that's in my past. That's in my youth. And now I'm going to be a more certain kind of Christian, more respectable Christian, you know? But you feel like you're beyond asking for more when the opposite should be true. You should be asking for even more because you've tasted, because you've seen that he is good. And if you've never experienced the Holy Spirit, if you've never encountered him, Man, ask. What are you going to lose? What are you going to lose? There's nothing for you to lose. Just ask. He might not answer quickly. He might not answer in the way that you want. But what's going to keep you from asking if there's more that God wants to give to you? Perhaps even with everything that you've been through, everything that you've walked through with the Lord, perhaps there's still an entire, you know, new level, new territory that you haven't explored yet. And perhaps there's more for you out there. So let me explain very quickly what the indwelling ministry of the Holy Spirit and the empowering ministry of the Holy Spirit, they refer to. So it's two different kinds of ministry of the Holy Spirit, two different roles that the Holy Spirit has. The first is what we refer to as when you exhibit the fruit of the spirit. So if we look at Galatians 5.22, it says, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there's no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. So this part for most of my life, I was very comfortable with. I was like, oh yeah, you know, obviously, if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you better be a loving person. You know, you better be a patient person. You better be a kind person. And that exhibits, it's like proof that the Holy Spirit is living within you. But I never thought and never talked about the empowering ministry of the Holy Spirit. So whereas the indwelling ministry of the Holy Spirit is the fruit of the Spirit, the empowering ministry of the Holy Spirit is the gifts of the Spirit. The gifts of the Spirit, not the fruit of the Spirit, but the gifts of the Spirit. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it says, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. The gifts of the spirit are the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, gift of prophecy, gift of faith, gifts of healings, working of miracles, discerning of spirits, different kinds of tongues, interpretation of tongues, etc. Eh? My bad. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? Okay. Are you going to? Okay. Can I get beyond this slide somehow? <laughs> So this is what's important, okay? And if you have your Bibles with you, I'd like you to open up your Bibles. So to 1 Corinthians 12. I'm not going to make you read through the whole thing. 1 Corinthians 12. It's a New Testament. And if you have a Bible like mine, you'll see subtitles, right? Like subheadings for different sections of the word. 1 Corinthians 12, it deals with spiritual gifts. And this is Paul talking to the Corinthian church. In the Corinthian church, there were very many different gifts of the spirit uh, that, were, that were being practiced there. And a lot of different things went, came out of hand. And Apostle Paul, instead of being like, you know what? We're going to shut this thing down. 
All right? Like, you had too much fun with this, and now you like, no, it's too dangerous. It's too much of a risk. We're going to shut this thing down. Instead of doing that, he actually takes the time to explain how to properly use the gifts. So he believes that it's so important that the church can't move forward without this. And instead of unuse or disuse, we actually have to use it rightly. Proper use is is the way to go. And so all of chapter 12, it talks about how to properly use the spiritual gifts. If you flip over to chapter, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, you'll see it continues to talk about prophecy and tongues, and it talks about how we ought to do it, in what context we ought to do it, what kind of spirit we need to do it in. And sandwiched in between those two chapters is a very famous chapter of love. Of love. So we cannot be all about 1 Corinthians 12 and 14. We have to be about all three chapters. So we have to be about the gifts, about actually pursuing them and earnestly desiring them, seeking after them, asking the Lord for them. But let's never forget that the best way and the only way that we ought to operate in these gifts is to do it in love. We cannot forget love. So this is the effort that Pastor, uh, Pastor Paul, I guess Pastor Paul, Apostle Paul, um, you know, is making in order to educate this congregation. Instead of saying, look, you got to stop using the gifts altogether. It's way too dangerous. He actually says, all right, you have the gifts. Now let me show you the heart with which you ought to do it. The spirit with which you ought to do it. doesn't matter if you can prophesy everything. If you have not love, you have nothing. It doesn't matter if you can do all these mighty things for God or be super selfless and sacrificial. And do all these things, give your body up to, you know, for the service of the Lord. If you have not love, you have gained nothing. And he's very clear about that. He doesn't say, let go of the gifts. And he doesn't say, don't pursue the gifts. He says, pursue them still. Earnestly seek them still. But never forget that you do it from a heart of love. So chapters 12 to 14 are crucial. And they come together as a package. You can't just take a bit here and take a bit there and then hope that, you know, you filled in all the blanks, but those three chapters are packaged deal. You have to treat them together. It's the same thought that is ongoing from chapter 12 to 14. Are we beyond? Yes. Okay. So if we were to go back to a passage that we looked at last week from Acts chapter one, after Jesus rises up from the grave, he appears to many people And before he ascends into heaven, he tells his disciples, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? So they're asking, is this the end of times? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. These same verses in the message version, they read like this. When they were together for the last time, they asked, Master, are you going to restore the kingdom of Israel now? Is this the time? And he told them, you don't get to know the time. Timing is the Father's business. What you'll get is the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will be able to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, all over Judea and Samaria, even to the ends of the world. 
And these were his last words before he ascended into heaven. For Jesus, this is not a minor detail. He is saying, look, I know you're really anxious to get out there and win the world on my behalf, but I need you to hold still and wait for the gift of the spirit. Whatever is ahead of you, whatever is ahead for the church, you're not able to do it on your own strength. You're not able to overcome the obstacles that you'll have. You need to wait for the power that comes from above. And then you will be able to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, all over Judea and Samaria, even to the ends of the world. Can I submit to you that this principle is not very different from us today? We have such a passion and such a zeal to be an influence for the kingdom in our workplaces, in our families, in whatever context God puts us in. And we want to see revival come to this nation. We want to see revival come into our workplaces and our families. But what if what will enable us to do that isn't just if we try harder or if we come up with different strategies or work on our self-discipline, although all those things do help, what it boils down to is we're going to need the power of the spirit. Good intentions will not cut it. You know, like a, a great idea will not cut it. It needs to be power from above. It needs to be power from above for someone like me who's doing ministry and who's helping lead this church, who's helping lead this, this church. This is very important for me to keep in the forefront. I cannot believe in my arrogance and in my self-sufficiency and my self-reliance that I am able to lead this church without the, the presence and the power of the Holy spirit. I cannot be as presumptuous as that. I cannot believe, I mean, I cannot think to myself like, well, I have enough of the spirit, you know, that's enough, right? And I have seminary degree and then hopefully I'm getting, you know, ordained in a few days and, you know, like all of that, isn't that enough? Like that's enough to, you know, have a church up and running and continuing to grow. That would be pride. That would be self-reliance when God is asking me, you need to seek for more of me. You need to ask for more of me. The church needs more than just a person working in all their might and all their wisdom and all their strength. But through human strength, the church needs the Holy spirit. He's a much better leader than I am. He's a much better shepherd than I am. He's a much better healer than I am. And I need to keep that very much in the forefront of my mind because I need to know that this is not a human endeavor here. The fact that we gather here, the fact that we worship God and the fact that we go through his word, the fact that we you know, want to reach our workplaces and all that, it's not a human endeavor. It's, it's not a social club. It's not you know, a one-hour one gathering here where we kind of like, okay, are we ready for the next week? Are we ready for the Monday? You know? And then we kind of you know, rally together and then we hit our workplaces. That's not what it is. When we come here, we exalt the Lord and we ask for more of him because we know that Monday through Saturday, we need him. Sundays too, of course, right? But Monday through Saturday, we need him. We need his spirit. We need his presence. We need him to be with us as we're talking to our coworkers. We need him to be with us when we're talking to our families, when we need to forgive someone, when we need to extend generosity to someone. We need the Holy Spirit at work in us. And for us to think that just our human efforts are going to be enough, that that's, you know, like, that's all I got, so that's all anybody will get, that is out of pride not asking for more from the father who's willing to give more. So I'm going to close with this. This is a quote from A.W. Tozer. And he says, the Holy Spirit was withdrawn from the church today 
95% of what we do would go on and no one would know the difference. Has the way that we are running a church become that way? Like, is it possible for us to be like, all right, everybody, we're going to meet here at 4 o'clock. We're going to have 25 minutes of worship. Then we're going to have some exhortation. Then we're going to have a word. And we'll have announcements. And then we're going to go to dinner. Great, you know. And without ever talking about the Holy Spirit, without ever inviting him in to do something supernatural, it is possible to run church that way. But I don't know about you guys. Like, I am not satisfied with that. I think we've, especially, you know, this community, we've been through too much to just be satisfied with something like that. We can, you know, we don't need church to do that. We can just gather people wherever, you know, and do whatever. You don't ever need to talk about Jesus. You never need to talk about God. But if we gather here as one community, and we're asking for God to do something supernatural, both in us and also through us, then we as a community need to be united in this pursuit for more of God. We need to walk out of here knowing more than ever before, I need God's intervention in my life. The way that I'm trying to do things, the way that I'm trying to fix things, it's not going to cut it. I need the Holy Spirit's intervention in my life. The kind of healing that I desire, it's not going to happen just by, you know, trying to process things on my own. I need to invite the Holy Spirit into those areas of my heart. All these different invitations that God is giving to us. He's looking at us right now and saying, I have so much in store for you. I have so much that I want to give to you. Just let me in. Invite me in. Invite me into that relationship. Invite me into that area. Invite me into that workplace, that conversation that you're having later this week. Invite me in and see what I'm able to do. And that's the invitation of the Holy Spirit.